We've been going through the summer with this collection. If you're just tuning in, perhaps, and this is a, you're entering in here in the last, the bottom of the ninth, so to speak. The, the collection, uh, the, the intent of the collection has been to really remind ourselves that it, as Christians that it, it is important that we gain knowledge. We know that, that you know, and the Bible encourages us to, to do that. But the Bible also pairs that with the uh, important growth and moving from here to there. That's the, the name of this collection and, and really being transformed and being chiseled and and uh, allowing God to do different things in our life. And, and he does that in a number of ways. I didn't want to close this collection without this, this, uh, uh, this conversation, which includes or focuses on moving from a legend to a, to a legacy. Now, the reason that I think that this is important is that most of us don't feel like legends. I don't know if you, you, you think of yourself as a legend, uh, but to certain people you might be. In other words, that, that, the, the importance the, the, that you have in someone's life. You know, your, your children, they probably look at you like legends. Uh, somewhere around the middle school age, that changes. Uh, the parents are no longer legendary, uh, <laughs> but we're important to our kids, right? And so... Um, if you were to think in your mind, uh, outside, of, outside of Jesus, I get that, but in a historical figure of being a legend, maybe you're thinking uh, Babe Ruth or Abe Lincoln or who, who would ever come to your mind. And in a way, when you look at a legend, a legend is somebody that has uh, you know, left a real mark by something that they've achieved, they've accomplished something. Quite often, we miss a legend when they're gone. They did something so great that we that when they're in the history books, they're no longer living with us. We miss that presence. We miss them, you know, what they did and what they stood for, et cetera. And certainly they inspire. You know, when you look at the Bible, there's a lot of legends. There are people that were legendary. You know, you look at uh, Moses. He did. He was legendary in what he he accomplished and what he did and what he stood for. When you look at David, we're going to look at him today. He, he you know, slaying Goliath. You know, if, if he were to have died, uh, you know, a week after that, he would, like, he would go down in the history books as the legend who slayed the giant. And, and when you look at different people like that, so there, there's some surprising endings, I think, in the Bible. I'm surprised at the, at the endings of, of legends because... They don't always come out like we would think they would as human beings. Speaking of David, he was surrounded by legendary men. Uh, if you have your Bible today, we're going to park in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. But before we get there, I'm going to be in 2 Samuel 23. Both of these places in the Bible are near the end of David's life. And David, the legend who had done legendary things, he went beyond. He moved from here to there. It wasn't that he was just legendary, but he left a legacy. And that's the importance of, I, I think, the message for us as Christ followers to, to ask ourselves, what legacy are we leaving? And what does that look like? Does that mean stuff? Does that mean accomplishments, achievements? What does that really, really look like? So in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 23, there's really a list of legends who did legendary things. And I'm, I'm going to skip over some of the names and spare you from me uh, 
slaughtering their names, but you'll get the gist. 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. There were about 30 or so of them, and of these there were three. You're going to see these were like Navy SEALs. These were mighty, mighty, powerful warriors. These are the names of David's mighty men. Joseph, I'll skip the description. He was the chief of the three, top of the, top of the food chain, top of, the, top of these warriors. He raised a spear against 800 men whom he killed in one encounter. Think about that. Who does that? Legends do that. Next to him was Eleazar. As one of also the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines and gathered at Postamine for battle. Everybody else ran away. The men of Israel retreated. But this guy, Eleazar, he stood his ground. Think about that. Who does that? When everybody else is running away, you say, man, I'm not leaving. I'm staying right here. And he struck down the Philistines until his hand grew tired and froze to the sword. He went down in history as doing something legendary. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. After the battle was finished and Eleazar took care of business, the troops then returned. Thanks a lot, by the way. Returned to Eleazar, only to strip the dead, only to get the goods. Next to him was Shammah. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field of lentils, Israel's troops, well, there they are again. They ran too. But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field, a place that any military expert would say that's the last place you want to fight from. You want cover. You want altitude. You don't want to be right in the middle of the field. But this guy said, I'm taking it on right in the middle. He defended it, the middle of the field, the, the property, the, 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 the stand of, of the Israelites and struck down the Philistines. And the Lord brought a great victory. You can read more. I mean, th these guys went down in the history books. As a legend, and as I mentioned, David was too. The surprising ending to some of these legends' lives is that God says it's not about you. He reminds us it's not about you. You see, a legacy is not about being famous, well-known, any of those things. At the end of Moses' life, who had done very many legendary things, allowed God to do legendary things through him, I'm surprised at the ending of that story, to be honest with you. I mean, the guy put up with a lot of griping, you know, through the, through the wilderness. Uh, God had tapped him later in life uh, when, when God called him back. You know, he had, he had kind of uh, really messed it up. And God said, hey, that's not how I, that's not how I treat people. As I, you know, people shelve themselves and other people shelve other people. But God says, no, I'm not done with you and called Moses out of a fugitive life almost, or, a, or a one that was secluded because he had shelved himself. And then he went through all of this agony. And at the end, when they were finally going to cross over into the promised land, God says, not about you. You're not going to do it. At the end of David's life, he had the opportunity to, he, he really had in his heart, he was a worshiper. He wrote many of the Psalms that we had. He was a worshiper and he he, you know, he, he loved God. He wanted to, to build this temple. It was in his heart. Like, what if we had a centralized place? Because the Israelites in their, in their history never had that. 
You know, for many years they moved around kind of in a, in a mobile operation, the tabernacle it was called, and he really had it in his heart, God, I love you, and I want to have a place of, of worship for you. And so through all of his networking, he amassed, and I really mean amassed, this great quantity of, of, uh, of uh, Prada building uh, uh, su supplies and materials to build this opulent temple. And the surprise ending is God says, you're not going to do it. Like, really? I'm the guy that wrote the worship, the, the worship hymnal and the, and the Bible, much of it, the, the book of Psalms. And I love it. And I love worship. And I want to be part of that. And I want to build this temple. And God said, I'm sorry, surprise ending. Your son is going to do it. I find that surprising, but I think God teaches us that it's not about us over and over and over again. Here's a definition of, or one definition of legacy and some insights. Leaving a legacy is about creating something that will last far beyond your time on earth. When you leave a legacy, it's possible that you might leave quietly. And only a handful of people will even notice but countless lives will be profoundly affected. That is a legacy, see? So at the end of David's life, in, in, in Kings, when we look at his life, there's this phrase that just powerfully goes, when David was ready to go the way of the earth. In other words, everybody, everybody goes this way. There's there's someone in our community, many of you know him, he passed uh, this week, passed uh, yesterday, I believe, and and uh, you feel it, the impact that he made. But you, in those moments, I think he goes the way of all the earth, that all of us are traveling unless the Lord comes back and, and, and raptures and captures his church. Outside of that, we will all face this moment. What people say at the end of their life, I think, is important. It's revealing. And so David begins to speak to the people and he begins to pray. And I think that you hear this guy who did legendary things, who slayed Goliath and was surrounded by Navy SEALs. He defines for us some of the qualities, some of the instructions, some of the principles, perhaps is the best word, some of the principles of what it really means to leave a legacy. Perhaps why you're here, we're a conduit of God's work in us. We begin then in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And verse 14, remember all the things that, that David has done, but he begins this prayer by these words, but who am I? He had no aspirations to go down in the history books of someone famous to be a legend. He didn't, he didn't ask for that. It wasn't his ambition to do so much that everybody's going to remember me. You see, when we leave a legacy, we realize that we are a pixel and not the portrait. A legend wants the portrait, right? We want, a, we want a picture of ourselves somewhere famous. But see, those who really want to leave a meaningful, long-lasting, forever type of legacy, they, they understand that we're valued by God, no doubt. But they understand that we're just a little teeny pixel in the whole picture. Watch. He says, but who am I? And who are these people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Because you're getting ready to, you know, provide these materials for this temple. Everything comes from you. 
And we have only given you, we've only, we have given you only what comes from your hand. You don't hear me often say you should give to God. We're only giving back to God. It was his to begin with. It is a measure of the heart. When I, when, 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 when there, if there are chapters in our life where we're not giving back to God, something is off in the heart because somehow we've reckoned, we've thought, hey, it's ours. And I get to choose what I do with that. And David's like, no, no, no. I don't own this stack of stuff. I don't own that stack of stuff. I don't own any of this. I'm just a pixel. I brought it all together. I talked to this guy over in this country. I, brought, I talked to this guy, and we brought in great, uh, you know, cedars and this, that, and the other, and, 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 and all this great stuff. Uh, not me. It wasn't me. It's just a pixel. And then he says it in verse 15. We are aliens and strangers in your sight, as were all the rest of the people that live legendaries, all of our forefathers. Our days on earth are like a shadow without hope. O Lord, our God, as for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name, it only comes from your hand, God. It wasn't us. It all belongs to you. You see the miniaturizing of his own value that he sees himself valued in the sight of God. I get that. But he, he didn't go out in life like this, this amazing meteorite. Like, look at me. He was like, look at God. It is really, it is truly countercultural, isn't it? And I think we have to kind of fight that flow that, 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 you know, we know all of us are important, but we also have to put it in perspective that it is all about God. Here's the second thing. He goes on to, to, uh, to pray in verse 17. He says, I know, God, that you test the heart. And that you're pleased with integrity. All these things I have given willingly with honest intent. I didn't cheat anybody to get this. And now I have seen with joy how willing your people who are here have given back to you or given to you. There's a reason why there were so many people in that moment with David. It wasn't because he slayed Goliath. Let me say it again. It was not because he slayed Goliath. It was not the outside things that attracted men to fight with and for David. It was what was on the inside. It was those moments in the cave. If you remember that he was a fugitive, he was running from Saul because Saul kept trying to kill him. He was a fugitive from King Saul at the time. And you remember, this is, you know, the Bible is quite real. Saul came into the cave to relieve himself. And while he was taking care of his human needs, uh, David had the opportunity, who happened to be in the same cave with some guys, he had the opportunity to sneak up behind uh, Saul when Saul was in a vulnerable position. And he could have killed him right there. And in fact, the guys around said, how come you didn't do it? This is a guy that's had a mark on you. That wanted to kill you at the opportunity. He said, no, that's not my timing. It's not my move. This is the king that God has in place right now. I won't overstep my bounds. Integrity. Integrity. That's why they followed him. That's the legacy we leave. My dad taught me how to fish. He taught me how to play golf badly. Uh, his, his, his swing... 
Okay, let me demonstrate. This is my dad's swing. It was more like a baseball move. He, he put his feet really wide, and he would grind every single time. He would grind, and he'd have this old, this old back in the day, we had wooden clubs, and man, he would grind, and it was just kind of up here. There was not even close to the ball. Well, what do I know as a kid? I'm like, this is how you play golf. And you know, he would grind and grind and grind, and then he would just like swing it and cuss like a sailor. That's how I learned to play golf. You grind, you swing hard, you cuss. That's, that was my, you know, that's how I know. Someone would ask how you play golf. You grind, you swing hard, you cuss. That's how you do it. He taught me physical things. I still have his drill. Back in the day, man, they didn't have battery-powered drills. It was all or nothing with those drills. You know, there's no sneaking up on it like we do now. You know, like, you know, it's like, and it's just, it goes right through. I've destroyed many walls with my dad's drill. He taught me these things. That's not the legacy that, God, that, that my dad left. The legacy was his faithfulness. His legacy was his loyalty. His legacy to me was watching my mom and dad work out some hard differences through their lives. My, the legacy was his selflessness. I may have told you this in, my, in the corner of my uh, closet. Nobody sees it. But I put some things that remind me of my dad. I have a wristwatch. My dad wore it about once every five years. Not a fancy man. And it reminds me, my dad wasn't, he was simple. He loved simple things. It's a legacy he left. That's who he thought, he, that's who he was. And he was simple because he loved us. The second thing, the most treasured thing I have from my dad is a plastic spoon from Wendy's. A plastic spoon from Wendy's. Because my dad was such a servant in his heart. And he would say, Where he knew my mom loved uh, Wendy's uh, Frosty. And, but, you know, when I asked, hey, kids, where do you want to eat? I want to go to Chick-fil-A. I want to go to, you know, uh, uh, McDonald's. I want to, well, I'm like, we're, we're not going anywhere, you know, unless you guys can decide, right? Not my dad. He'd go to McDonald's because I like McDonald's. He'd go to Burger King because my brother liked Burger King and he'd wrap around at the end to go to Wendy's so my mom's frosty wouldn't, wouldn't melt on the way home. And that's how that plastic spoon reminds me of my dad's interior. He made a lot of mistakes on the exterior. He made some mistakes on the interior, but he came back. Here's what I'm saying to us, and I think this is the, really the core where I'm parking today. Listen. The legacy we live, that we leave for other people is an interior legacy. That will matter more than anything. Look, we're going to teach people something, right? We're going to teach people. Now, whatever your business is, you're probably teaching somebody else to do it, hopefully. Uh, and knowledge is important. No, no doubt. It's important in the scripture. It's, the Bible says get knowledge. No problem with that at all. But it's not how much I know about playing piano. It's not so much, I have had so many piano students across the years, and they never talk about the piano teaching. They talk about the relationship. They talk about the times they came in unprepared, 
and I didn't slaughter them. Felt like it. <laughs> they talked about the times we wept together. The high schooler that lost their, their, girl, their first girlfriend in those moments. That's what really matters. It's an interesting uh, verse in Proverbs 23 because it defines what, uh, for us what is important. Do not eat the bread of a miser. Someone who's greedy. Nor desire his delicacies. Why? For as he thinks in his heart, that's the real guy. Oh, on the outside, it's like, hey, hey, come on in. Hey, you got some appetizer? You want another appetizer? Hey, you want an extra you know, root beer float with that? Blah, blah, blah. But on the inside, see, that's really who he is. See, the whole time you're sitting with the, at the dinner, there's an inventory going on. Here, I'm thinking of this. This is wrong. This is wrong. I'm critiquing this and this, that, and the other. And there's, there's an inventory going on. See, that's the real thing. Or maybe it's the greed. I've gone through a chapter of that in my life if I were just being transparent. The greed of like, I, you know, I'd like to call it thrifty, but it's really greedy. God had to break that in my life and still has to work on that tendency at times. That's who, that's who you know, are my, my, my boys going to see that in me? My son has worked so hard this summer. Uh, studying for the SAT and the ACT, and I'll be honest with you, I hate those tests. I always come out and I'm like, how, how'd the tests go? I'm like, well, I made this cool-looking dragon by shaping the dots. It was so cool. <laughs> and he's worked so very hard, and I went to him and I said, I want to teach you a principle. You work hard, you didn't get a job this summer, and I'm going to reward you. Uh, with something, um, and uh, you would, I could just see it in his eyes. It meant something to him. You see, what I was saying to him is, I've been taking inventory, but positive inventory. You see, that's the perspective that we have with people, with other people. It matters. That's who you are. I don't care how much you know. I don't care how much you know about your business. I don't care how great a piano player I am. It's the inside that makes a difference. It doesn't matter that I can come up here and, and feel comfortable with public speaking and deliver a sermon. That's not it. That's not the legacy that I want to leave. I don't want to leave a legacy of like, man, Steve really knew the Bible. The legacy I want to know is that I love you. I serve you. I've got mistakes just like you. That's the legacy that really matters. Paul said it well. Brothers, he says, Philippians 4.8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, think about putting people in there. My friend Chip, whatever is true about you, Chip, whatever is noble about you, whatever is right about you, whatever is pure about you, whatever is lovely about you, whatever is admirable about you, if anything is excellent about you, Chip, anything is praiseworthy, that's what I'm going to really think about because the Bible says as a man thinks, that's who he is. That's the legacy we're going to leave. You know, everybody's got something excellent. Sometimes it's harder to find than others. But everybody has something excellent and true and noble about them. See, I can spend my time taking inventory of what's not right. That's easy. And it's sinful. 
But if I can take inventory of what's great about you, see, I'm looking through a different set of lenses. That's what I want to leave. That's the legacy I want to leave. How about you? I've eaten in places in the world where they put it on the plate. We've been in the DR, some of us together. I thought, man, if they put another, thing, another chunk of yucca on this plate, it's kind of a softball-sized, like, well, candle, really. tastes like wax. <laughs> Last time I thought I had it beat when I traveled there, I brought my own canned goods. Forgot the dang can opener. <laughs> I'll take yucca. There are times that even when there's yucca on the plate that's facing you, you know, you can say, I love the plate you served this on. <laughs> I said this in our 7 a.m. service, and uh, someone came up to me and I had, uh, that I had eaten in their home. They're like, you're not talking about me. I'm like, no, it was excellent. <laughs> now watch what Paul says after going through this list of thinking as a man thinks in his heart. So is he. Jesus talked about it a lot inside of the cup. That's what we're really leaving. David said, integrity. Watch. Brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy, hover on those things, because as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And then he goes into verse 9. He says, then whatever, watch. Paul, the great teacher, preacher, he says, whatever you've learned, received, or heard from me, put into practice. But he adds this. But what you have also seen in me, that's the legacy. Of course, Paul invested in them in the word of God. So important, not undermining that at all. But had he done that and not had the other part, the integrity. If David had slayed Goliath, but he had done it in a cheating way. If he had gotten all this material to build the temple, but everybody knew he was a Zacchaeus and he did it because he cheated. Then like, oh, well, sure, you know. You're going to build the temple. You cheat it to get it. Use the fake credit card. <laughs> but see, they followed him. I can't stop this section without saying, okay, well, how about Bathsheba? That's the chapter that most people remember. That's the chapter that people remember about past presidents. I want to zero in on that. They could have been done doing great things. That's the chapter that people want to remember about sports figures. Yeah, but there was that, you know. So here's David, selfless, wanting to leave a legacy. We can't get over the bat, we can't skim over the Bathsheba thing. God proves once again. He uses broken people. He uses people that have walked away from him. He uses people that have hated him, that have turned their, their, their direction away from him. And he never moves. He's always there. You see, here's how I look at it. You remember the whole Bathsheba thing. Let's just address it. It was a time when people, kings went to war, if you read the story. David, that was his first misstep. He should have been in action. He should have been in war. He relaxed. He retreated. All of his men were out. After time, Nathan came, the prophet, put his finger in David's chest and said, you're the man, you're the man, this guilty. And David, David had a choice, speculation on my part. 
But my guess is that they heard David sing psalms to God even after his legendary failure. He knew he wasn't perfect. But his tenderness toward God. Oh God, Psalm 51, forgive me for my transgression. I really disappointed you. I've broken your heart. And God, it's the broken, contrite heart, God, that you love all in there in Psalm 51. You see, people see us not when we're perfect, but when we're imperfect, clinging on to a forgiving Savior. That's the legacy I want to pass on to my kids. Dad was not perfect. They'll verify that. (laughs) Dad was not perfect. But I've lost count of how many times they've walked in my uh, um, office early in the morning and saw Dad on his knees, equalized before a loving Savior. I want to teach them that because somewhere in their life, they're going to have a legendary failure. Are they going to run from God? Are they going to hate God? Are they going to remember dad on his knees in his office? Finally, I leave you with this question. Are you playing for keeps? Are you playing for keeps? You know what I mean by that? It's a common phrase, which often means, uh, you know, get it all for yourself and, you know, keep it. You're playing for keeps, right? But David ends this prayer, progresses with this prayer, and he, he prays for three keeps. Look how selfless someone who's leaving a legacy is. Watch this. Verse 18. He says, O Lord God of our fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, number one, keep this desire in the hearts of your people forever. What what desire? This desire that all is yours. We're We're only giving it back to you, God. Everything. Keep that desire. Keep that pixel mindset in them. God, I'm praying. Not for me. I'm going the way of all the earth, God, but I'm praying for them. On the people that I'm leaving the legacy, I'm praying for them. And I'm praying, God, that they'll keep this, this perspective. Number two, he says, and keep their hearts loyal to you, God. Such a huge thing. And finally, I want to pray for my boy Solomon, that he'll have wholehearted devotion. And finally, keep, the final keep and keep your word, keep your commands, keep your requirements, decrees, not just know them, but keep them, and do everything to build the palatial structure for which I have provided. Surprise ending. One more surprise ending, one more verse. Surprise ending with Jesus. It's not a surprise ending that he was crucified. If you know the Old Testament, there's we have plenty of indication, Isaiah 53, plenty of indication in the Old Testament that Christ was going to come as the rescuer of the world, knowing that we could not ourselves save ourselves from this condition of sin that we all have. So he came and he laid his life down so that we ourselves would know that it was God who did the finished work and not us. We can't finish it through our own good behavior. We can't finish, we can't be right with God through religion or ritual. It's really by coming to Christ and embracing him and saying, God, you've done it on the cross. You've forgiven me on the cross. You have provided forgiveness, a gift of grace. 
and mercy, and now I'm coming to you, right? That was no surprise if you, if you know the Bible. Here's, here's, here's something surprising for me. Watch. John, in John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And then the surprise statement, he says, actually, he will do even greater things. That's a legacy leaver. That's someone who's leaving a legacy. You're going to do greater things. Why? Because I'm going to the Father. Physically, from a physical point of view, Jesus went the way of the earth, just like David, just like Moses, right? Came back from the dead. We know that. But in this moment, Jesus was saying, look, I'm not around forever. So you're going to do greater things. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to come back from the dead. I'll be able to miraculously distribute the Holy Spirit in you. And you guys will be all over the world. You guys know, you know, I'm, I, I have contacts all over the world. And it's just amazing. This week I'm training in Bangladesh from my office studio. And, and, and it's so amazing, especially in countries where it's really hard to be a Christ follower, to keep loyalty to God, to keep a heart for God, and to say, man, God is now doing greater things all over the earth. Christ was centralized in a, in a particular place in the planet, but now the Holy Spirit is working through so many people, and the legacy that Christ left is stunning. This is what God calls us to. Not to be great at what we do. No, no problem with being great at what you do to leave a legacy of heart and integrity and honesty and character and all of those things and invest in people as Paul did through the word of God and furthering the kingdom and all of those things. All of it comes together to ask us to say, hey, are we playing for keeps? The answer should be, yeah, not to keep it here, but other people keep it so that they can give it to people who will keep it so that they will give it to people that will keep it. That is leaving a legacy. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the power of your word, the reminder of your word, the challenge of your word, God. Jesus flipped the world upside down, reminded us once again that it is, that it is the inside of who we are. It's our character, our honesty, our love, our mercy. It's our perspective thinking of others and, and, and searching and sometimes that takes effort to search for the things that are excellent, praiseworthy, true, pure. Father, we understand our great value to you. We know that, that you know the, the number of uh, hairs on our head. We know that as, as you said, uh, if a sparrow falls to the ground and you're aware of it, how much more are you, do you value us and see us and know us, hear us, love us? So the prayer may be surprising, God, but would you continually allow us the power from within to miniaturize? As John the Baptist said, we must become less so that you will become great, God. Will, you rec will we recognize today, God, that of what we're passing on, what people hear, 
what people see, how they see we react, our kids, our families, our co-workers, our neighbors, how, how we respond, God, what we talk about, who we talk to about, about it, how we treat our spouses, how we treat our kids, how we treat you, God, how we treat your word, all these things, that really matters. It might not be teaching someone how to play golf. It might be a plastic spoon. It might be a, the integrity, the servanthood, the simplicity, the loyalty. Those are the things that really stick with us. God, would you remind us of that today? Finally, Father, we pray for those who have come looking today, who really in their heart are sincere, not just to appease you, not just to make sure there's a bare minimum a requirement. What do we do to get to heaven, God? But really understand that they've looked in themselves. I really, really want a relationship with God. So maybe that's you. Maybe you're listening online. Maybe you, maybe you, right as you're sitting there, say, I, I don't have a really great relationship with God. I don't have a relationship at all, in fact, with him. And I've always thought I've got to be good enough or go to church or do some kind of ritual, some kind of religion. See, listen, listen carefully. God loved you so incredibly much that he came to earth through Christ because he recognized you couldn't do it on your own. It's like being in the middle of an ocean drowning. No one there to save you, you'll drown. We were drowning. Christ came and laid himself on a cross for you to finish the work, to take on the penalty that we should have taken on and be a substitute for you. He reaches out from that cross today, still speaks the words that are alive. It is finished. Your search is finished. Your quest is finished. You find it in Christ. It's not a what you're looking for, it's a who. You're looking for Christ. He asks us just to, to fall on him, to fall on him, to depend on him completely, not our own self, not our own efforts, but to fall on him in faith and say, Christ, you, not me. It is your forgiveness, not my effort. Won't you reach out? Listen. Won't you reach out to him right now and say, Christ, I want your forgiveness. I turn from my own life, my own ambition, my own lifestyle, whatever that is, God. And I ask that you would, that you would uh, forgive all of my past, all of my sin, all of my brokenness. Listen, God has waited every day of his life for you. Maybe someone is walking through a Bathsheba chapter right now. God is waiting for you. He loves you. He never, ever stopped loving you. This is the God of the Bible. This is the God of the universe. Forgiving, merciful, loving, pursuing. 
Oh, won't you say to him in your own heart, if you've never accepted Christ, Christ, I want you now. I unashamedly turn my life around. I unashamedly confess to you, God, I'm broken, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And won't you take my old life and exchange, give me your new one. Is that your prayer in your own words from your heart? Christ loves you. Father, we are so grateful for time to gather, together around your word, together in worship, together in relationships. And Father, we're going to end here by the how we, how we started. Here's my heart, oh God. Here's my heart. Not for our legend, but for the legacy of the kingdom of Christ. We pray it in his name. Amen.